We have two uh, scripture passages tonight, an Old Testament scripture passage and a New Testament scripture passage. Um, the Old Testament scripture passage, it's not listed in your bulletin, but I will tell you all the details. It's 2 Samuel chapter 9. It can be found in your pew Bible. It's on page 483. 2 Samuel chapter 9. Before we read, will you pray with me that the Lord would bless the reading and preaching of his word. Heavenly Father, may the meditation of our hearts, our minds, be pleasing to you. May we, Lord, consider your fatherly care for us, and may it be something that encourages us to run to you with all our needs, our cares, our concerns our hopes, our dreams. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 2 Samuel chapter 9. This is uh, following Saul's death and following David's rise to the throne and his eventual uniting of the kingdoms. David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They called him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? Your servant, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan, He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, your servant, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him. For I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should take notice of a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson Everything that belonged to Saul and his family, you and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. And all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was crippled in both feet. That's the Old Testament scripture reading Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 12. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 12, Pew Bible, page 1505. 1505 in 
your pew Bibles. Jesus preaching on the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 12. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds that to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. As far as the reading of God's holy word, may he bless it to the hands, hearts, and minds of his people. We're also looking at Lord's Day 46 in the back of your green Psalter hymnals. Lord's Day 46, page 59 in the back of your green Psalter hymnals. We can read the answers together with one voice. Why did Christ command us to call God our Father? At the very beginning of our prayer, Christ wants to kindle in us what is basic to our prayer, the childlike awe and trust that God through Christ has become our Father. Our fathers do not refuse us the things of this life. God, our Father, will even less refuse to give us what we ask in faith. Why the words, who art in heaven? These words teach us not to think of God's heavenly majesty as something earthly and to expect everything for body and soul from his almighty power. That's the teaching of the catechism. I want you to think of the word Father. That is what we are considering tonight. And there... Um, There maybe was a point in our society when, uh, when the, the word father would elicit the same kind of responses, uh, trustworthy, dependable, caring, hardworking, um, not necessarily the case. More and more we're dealing with uh, fatherless generations, but as I was thinking about the word father and and, and and what the catechism is trying to teach us, what the Word of God is trying to teach us by connecting God to this term, Father. I thought of, uh, I thought of chocolate chips. Maybe some of you are asking, what do chocolate chips have to do with Father at all? Well, um, I have to admit to you, my wife and I's guilty pleasure, the thing that we probably shouldn't have around our house if we're trying to lose weight, are Ghirardelli 60% baking chocolate chips. They are. Mwah. And the problem is, we go to the drawer that we keep these chocolate chips in all throughout the day. 
a couple here, a couple there. And uh, you don't think that it's adding up to something until you read the back and 18 chocolate chips is a serving size. And what is that amount of calories? Oh my, I don't even know how many I've had today. But because we have this pattern of going to this drawer and, and opening it in the kitchen and grabbing that bag and it has this distinct crumbly sound when you pick that bag up. All you parents understand, when you're trying to get a snack but you don't want your kids to know you're getting a snack because then they'll want a snack, yeah, that's what's happening. So what happens is, like Pavlov's dogs, that crumbly sound has taught our youngest daughter, Ellie Mae, that that means something. That means mommy and daddy are getting into the drawer to get that chocolate chip bag out. And so, Ellie Mae, you get that little crumbly chocolate chip bag out. I do this. I'll go, I'll grab that chocolate chip bag, and she'll come running around the corner from another room with her hands open and say, chocolate chip, chip. And how is this connecting to to God, you might still be asking. Well, that two-year-old has every expectation that when she reaches her hand out to me and says, Chip, then I'm going to give her a chip. No sense of disappointment in that expectation. She knows her dad is going to give her what she's asking for. Her hand is open. And I think that that is what the word Father, Heavenly Father, Father God, is meant to communicate to us. It's meant to communicate to us that expectation that my daughter Ellie Mae has about chocolate chips. So, our theme tonight, through Christ, we pray as firstborn children. Through Christ, we pray as firstborn children. And there's three points tonight. Uh, the first is, we are children. The second is, of a good father. And the third point, this father who is God. We are children of a good father who is God. So, let's look at this first point. We are children. We are children. So there's been a, a long, ongoing debate about the change from the Old Testament view of God to the New Testament view of God, as if to say that when Jesus jumps on the scene, he totally and radically changes the way that we are called 
to address God or to think of God. And part of that is included in the discussion about the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says, how should we, his disciples say, how should we preach? And he starts by saying, our Father. Our Father. And I, actually this morning as Reverend Sherian was preaching and he mentioned that passage from John chapter 5, and Jesus said, my father has been working from the start, and so I'm going to keep working. Remember what he said about that. He said that the Jews wanted to stone him all the more, not just because he was working on the Sabbath, but because by saying that God was his father, he was saying that he was equal with God. Yet here is Jesus teaching us to pray, our father. It can be a bit confusing. So the question is, is there a sense of father in the Old Testament? Is there a sense of father in the Old Testament that we are considered to be the children of God? Uh, I think there is a basis for viewing uh, God's relationship with Israel in terms of that fatherly care, that fatherly guidance and Isaiah has a number of references to God as a father. The Psalms often talk about God as a protector and a shield. But the catechism begins with the question, why did Christ command us to call God our father? And the answer is at the very beginning of our prayer, Christ wants to kindle in us, kindle in us, the basics. Kindle in us what is basic to our prayer, the childlike awe and trust that God through Christ has become our Father. So, if the Catechism is saying Christ's intention about saying our Father is to kindle in us the basic notion, the basic uh, necessity to our prayer, which is childlike awe and trust. Uh, a basic, a foundation to our prayer is this father-child relationship. We are children. That God through Christ has become our father. And we are adopted children. This is why on our theme tonight it says, through Christ we pray as firstborn children. Uh, we are not firstborn children by right. We are firstborn children uh, by adoption through Jesus Christ. And this is why in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus addresses this childlike awe and trust. Anytime that you read Jesus speaking like this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. He's talking about that childlike awe and trust. That expectation like my daughter Ellie Mae has about chocolate chips. That God is our father and that we are his children. If that is true, if that relationship holds because of what Christ has accomplished on our behalf, because we are in Christ, then we expect God to treat us as his children. 
And this is why it's important for us to understand what we feel when we hear the word Father. A basic foundational element to our prayer is childlike trust. Dependency upon God. This is not the first time that we've considered God and His position as Father. You should remember Lord's Day 9 that says, What do we believe when we say, I believe in God the Father, Almighty Maker of heaven and earth, when we recite the Apostles' Creed together, that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and everything in them, who still upholds and rules them by his eternal counsel and providence, is my God and Father because of Christ his Son. I trust him so much that I do not doubt he will provide whatever I need for body and soul. and He will turn to my good whatever adversity he sends me in this sad world. He's able to do this because he's almighty God. He desires to do this because he's a faithful father. Ask, seek, knock as a child of God. Speaking to your father is a trusting in the providence of God. The God cares for us and will care for us all the way to the end. I want to talk more about this notion of father. See, we are children, but it's important that we understand whose children we are. What is the, if we are children, what is the nature of the father that we have? Of a good father. Uh, there's a book that I've been reading called Distorted. And it's all about this notion, the idea that our earthly fathers can distort the way we view God. We experience harsh, difficult, um, abusive father here on earth, and we put that image or understanding, impression of Father upon God. We have a distant Father, one that we can't go to and, and talk to about whatever is facing us in our lives, one that's always too busy uh, to, uh, to give us some attention, to uh, be there so that we can ask questions about uh, the various difficulties and hardships we are experiencing. And we place that understanding upon the Heavenly Father. We think He's distant. He doesn't have time for us. He can't speak to us. He can't talk to us. These are things that we have to overcome in our day and age. If we're going to talk about a Heavenly Father, we can't assume what the Catechism assumes. The Catechism says of this Father, of our earthly fathers, that they do not refuse us the things of this life. 
Our fathers do not refuse us the things of this life. There are many people who are living today who didn't even have fathers to refuse them the things of this life. Their fathers refused them fathers. And so when we come and we talk to them and we say, God is your father, you mean you mean God is somebody who will get up and leave me and, 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 uh, and, and never show up and maybe send me a random birthday card every once in a while with a $10 uh, bill in it? That's what God is like? There are many fathers who have refused many people the things of this life. We live in a sinful, fallen world. Um, none of us fathers are perfect. But the grace in that is knowing that all the imperfections of our attempts at being fathers are not found in God our Father. He is a good Father. In fact, we can make it a step up and just say He's a perfect Father. Jesus follows up this childlike awe and trust. Ask, seek, knock. Come to your Father as, as, as a child that expects to be, to be cared for and treated like a child. To be placed upon the knee. And to be cherished and protected and, and provided for. He says, he uses an example. He says, which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, if you then, though, uh, have distorted the, the image of, of God the Father because of our imperfections and our faults. Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? We are called, as children of God, to understand the goodness of God our Father. That's why I love that, that contrast in Lord's Day 9. He's able to do this because He's Almighty God. He desires to do this because He is a faithful Father. He desires to do us good. He desires to hear our prayers and to answer them. He is always listening. He's a good father. He gives good gifts. Because he gives us only what we know is good for us. Amen? When my kid comes up to me and says, I want chocolate chips for dinner, am I a good dad if I say, yeah, we can have chocolate chips for dinner? 
In fact, why don't we put them in a bowl and add some milk and it'd just be like chocolate chip cereal? What do you want to have for dinner tomorrow? Cotton candy? Let's do it. Some people think that's being a good father because your kids like you. That's not being a good father. A good father gives you what you need. And this is the most important thing that you need to understand about the goodness of God our Father. He knows exactly what you need, and what you need is more Jesus. So whatever you ask for that keeps you from more Jesus, he won't give it to you. Whatever you ask for that gives you more Jesus, he will give it abundantly. He will give you more than you ask for. That's why every time we read something like this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. It's not talking about prizes on the prices right. It's talking about being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. It's talking about being more conformed to the suffering and glorification of our Savior of our brother. We are children, of course, yes. We are children of a good father, but there's something more we need to understand about this, because up to this point, many of us could say, yes, we are children of a good father, an earthly father. We are children of a good father who is God. The catechism continues. Why the words, who art in heaven? Heavenly Father, our Father, our Father, who is in heaven? It says, these words teach us not to think of God's heavenly majesty as something earthy, earthly and to expect everything for body and soul from his almighty power. See, many of us had good earthly fathers, but if we went to them and we said, can you please give me a resurrection body and a new heavens and a new earth, can you please give me those things? They wouldn't be able to. We need God who has almighty power to give us everything we need for our body and soul, who are in heaven. Often when we talk about the fatherhood of God, it is tempting, even in my analogy, to point to earthly examples as a, uh, a reflection of what it means to have God as our father. 
But me giving chocolate chips to my daughter, Ellie Mae, falls way short. It's an analogy. It's, it breaks down. It's, it's not perfect. Yet nonetheless, when we hear of the word Abba and we think about the way that it's used uh, today in the streets of Jerusalem to mean daddy, that people can take this concept of God as father too far. They can dumb it down so that it's no different than a relationship, an earthly relationship between son and father. They can begin to pray and say, Daddy God, and things like that. And there's an element of truth to the familiarity that we are called to have with God, the childlike awe and expectation that we are called to have with God. But we need to understand something. The goodness of this God is not relative goodness like we have in our earthly fathers. The goodness of this God is perfect goodness, unending goodness. Our Father is the one who created the heavens and the earth. Our Father is the one who's ordered all events by his decree. Our Father is the one who's providentially ordering all things to bring about his intended purpose and glory. Our Father is eternal, just, righteous, omnipotent, omniscient. This is our Father. And what I want you to understand about that it's not that I'm shocking you with the greatness and the bigness and the hugeness and the awe-inspiring uh, a concept of who God is so that you will be worried about approaching him, so that you would be feeling like you can't be in his presence, so that you would be feeling like you can't have familiarity with him. No, it's when you hold intention. The reality that God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, is our Father because of Christ Jesus, our Savior. And the reality that this is the God who created all things, who stands outside of time, and who is all-powerful and all-good. That you see how amazing it is that we, sinful little worms, could be called his children. And that's why, as part of our reading tonight, I chose the story of Mephibosheth in 2 Samuel chapter 9. You see, David if he was listening to his political advisors, would have gotten rid of the family of Saul. As long as the family of Saul was alive, they were a threat to his kingship, his right to reign. But David had made a covenant with Jonathan. And so what does David do upon arising to sit on the throne? He says, is there any of the family of Saul left? Anyone still living? That I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake. And he calls upon Saul's household servant, Ziba, who is probably fearful for his life, 
being called before the new king of Israel, the enemy of his previous master. And he asked the servant, Is there one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? And there is. There's a son of Jonathan. He's crippled in both feet. Can't walk. His name is Mephibosheth. And so King David calls to Mephibosheth, and you've got to be thinking, this is what Mephibosheth is thinking. He's coming in to, to come before David, and he's thinking, this is it. This is the end of my life. He's going to chop my head off. He's going to put my head on a pike, and he's going to stick it out there for everyone else to see that this is what happens to people when they oppose the family of David. And he deserves it. He deserves that death. He deserves what's rightly coming to him because of what his family had done to David over the years. That's his expectation. As you're reading this story, that should be your expectation. That's what's going to happen. What happens instead? Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. And Mephibosheth proclaims, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? And we read, So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. When we read the story, what we need to see is that David is the king. And we're, we're dead dogs. Lame in both our legs because of sin. We deserve death. We deserve judgment. But because of the covenant, we get a, ha- we get a seat at the table as a son, a daughter. Because of what Christ Jesus did, we eat at the table like one of the king's sons. That, that's what it means to understand who God is as our Father, our Heavenly Father. And if we don't see that as a a great and wonderful privilege, if we don't see that as not a chore, but a wonderful, beautiful thing, expression of God's grace. Then we're missing out on what it means to call God our Father because of Christ Jesus, His Son.
So my prayer is this week that you would have a greater understanding of what it means to be a child of a good father who is God. And that you would leverage that greater and deeper understanding by the Spirit of God that's worked in you to go to God in prayer, to ask, to seek, to knock, to have that humble, childlike awe and expectation that God will give you all that you need for your body and for your soul from His almighty power. Amen. We pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our Father, that we are your children, co-heirs with Christ, heirs of the kingdom to come. We who are dead dogs, worthy of all the judgment and condemnation because of our sin that you would bring upon us, but instead receive grace and mercy because of Christ's work upon the cross and his resurrection. Now have a seat at the table as your children. We pray, Father, that we would acknowledge that grace, that we would long to enter into your presence in prayer, to take upon ourselves the beautiful burden of sonship, but also the wonderful benefits that come to us as children of God. May we know your goodness. May we know that you are for us and not against us. And that if you have given us your son, how will you not also with him give us all things? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.